Welcome to Embrace the Suck with Benny. So tonight we have Ray with us. He is the first person that I ever interviewed, and he is back. Why is he back? Um, because I feel like he's the best person to talk to about today's conversation. So just going to give you guys a background. Uh, there was a post made yesterday on Facebook on the recruiting page, and it essentially was a recruiter that was talking about how his command was now going to be making everybody work until 12 o'clock midnight and or later because of lack of production. Uh, even though this Marine has written like four or five contracts in the last month um, and is still going forth. So still out there past 12 o'clock. So what did I want to do? I wanted to get Ray on here because Ray lived that life. Ray lived the life of being a heavy hitter, which we never thought would happen, but it happened. And he lived the life of being at work until like 1 a.m. and then having to return at 5 a.m. So um, this is episode two. The first episode is called Different Strokes for Different Folks. Uh, if you want to know why that's the title, go listen to it. But here we are. We're going to talk to Ray about life now, but also talk about his experience while on recruiting duty and the different six station commanders he had. Some of them were just bosses, but we'll call them station commanders to be respectful. So, Ray, welcome. What's going on? Uh, nothing much, man. I, I truly appreciate you bringing me back to the show. It's been a, a mm. while, about a year. Um, <clears throat> um, you know, I've been I've been watching you, your podcast podcast and everything grow man it's uh been quite interesting listening to all the different stories and definitely uh proud of you for doing this man i know me and morales talked to you a million times about it and you finally <laughs> started it so watching it grow man it's awesome yeah. it's fantastic yeah um man. but yeah so, man you know just <clears throat> no go, go ahead, ahead. Oh, no, man. no yeah just, man um... so i i wanted um i wanted to have you on man just because you know, in the first episode, we talked a lot about, you know, the, the medical issues that you, you, you went through. And we talked about the family issues and just life and, you know, children and, 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 and everything that you went through on the duty. But something that we never really talked about in that episode was the hours and that time where for like eight months, you kind of lived in this life where, you know, you went to work at like 5 a.m. and then you didn't leave till like 12 a.m. So I kind of wanted to talk about that firsthand because, you know, some people think, hey, if people aren't making numbers, let's just work harder so or work more hours. So I wanted to get your opinion on, on that from your point of view. So how did it feel like the, the work day? like all of that because you were still putting in work because you were still writing contracts or or like kind of talk about your experience through that yeah so um there's a, a certain uh boss or i would i guess you'd call him station commander um there was a <laughs> there was a i would say it was really unproductive and it was really mm. demoralizing um, you know, oh. I, I understand the whole mindset behind it of like, you know, the Marine Corps always wins. We always win a fight. You know, we we got to make a mission. We got to make a mission. Make mission, and and yeah. just going through that process of you know waking up and then you know working twelve, thirteen hour days and then turning around and doing it all over again. It's it's a mind numbing experience. It it completely destroys you. I would have to say honestly 
that was probably my worst experience in my entire life. Like overall, like worse than deploying to Kuwait, worse than deploying to, you know, doing all these different crazy things that I've done. Like that, yeah. I, I, it still bothers me to this day, man. It, it's a, it was a mm. horrible experience and I still have issues from it. You know, there's, there's not much you can take away from that, man. It's, um, yeah. I would say like, the problem is, is I would say is that the lack in training, you know what I mean? Like you, like for instance, you know, closing, you know, on a kid or, you know, getting a kid to join to inspire him to join, you know, a lot of people depend on the boss, but if the boss is not trained correctly. The boss doesn't know what he's doing. Then the boss can't assist his recruiters in actually accomplishing the mission. I mean, that goes back to, you know, you have your 8412s, you know, a, a lot of them just become an 8412 just as, become an 8412 they they don't even really care about the whole job just because they're a boss a lot of them you mm. know they go do whatever the hell they're going to go do excuse my language but you know a lot yeah. of them don't train a lot of them don't help the marines and, and that's where you you know you get those ones who are just like hey hey man you ain't got nothing go out there man you got a wawa it's open 24 hours man go out there i remember <laughs> uh so let's dude, so let's talk about that man like let's talk yeah. about that right so from your experience, right? Now, everybody, anybody who's listened to this, hey, this is an experience. This is his experience. This is his story. So you can't tell us, hey, it didn't happen because it's his story, right? So what would happen at a Wawa, you know, at 12 a.m.? Like, what kind of people were, were you finding? What kind of applicants were out there um, in New Jersey at, you know, a- after 10 p.m.? Like what? What productive time was happening? Nothing. I hate saying that, but nothing. You know, um, I'm not gonna lie. There was a a few moments, you know, just driving around, coming parking lots and stuff like that. Um, like the mall, for instance. You know, like luckily somehow miraculously, I happened to find somebody at 10:30 at night, just leaving the mall because he worked at the mall. But like, it, it's it's really unproductive because a lot of people, especially a lot of people who are actually qualified are not out mm-hmm. at like 10, 30, 11, midnight, <laughs> no, 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, either that or they're partying and getting completely drunk and they're not in the right mindset to talk to. So like, <laughs> yeah. it's a waste of, yeah. it, it's a waste of time. <laughs> like there's a, there's a reason behind it. Like I understand, you know, if you have like a, like a, I don't want to say this, but you know, it's kind of like a hard love, you know, it's a lesson learned kind of thing. But to mm-hmm. constantly have that mindset of like, you don't have anything, so you're just going to stay out here. Like yeah. that's, that's not the recruiter's fault. Maybe the, maybe it is, you know, the, the yeah. recruiter could not be, you know, putting in the work that he's supposed to, mm-hmm. but that's why, you know, you start your day at zero eight and you get, you're supposed to technically, you know, go home, you know, when probably what, like seven, eight, maybe if you're lucky, but like, yeah, in a good world, right? yeah, in a good world. But like, if the recruiter is lacking the training and lacking the experience, then that's, that's your, your 8412s that are supposed to do that. So the reason why you're failing is because your 8412s are failing your Marines. You're failing your, your canvassing recruiters. But like, if they're not putting in that effort to actually train. Now, sitting here and, and practicing a million times, like I understand that a lot of the 8412s have been, you know, when they were recruiting back in the day, you know, it was mm-hmm. a different time. It was a war. War was going on most of the time. You know Afghanistan, yeah. that whole process. So it was easy for yeah. them, uh-huh. but like they don't understand the generation now. They don't even take the time to really actually learn about this generation. Mm-hmm. That's the problem that you run into. 
Yeah. They think they, they can just continue to train like the way they used to, you know? Yeah. And they just have to no, I, mind it. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of what's going on is that they're not looking at what's happening today and changing to today's TTPs. It's like when you're overseas, like you don't, you, we don't fight the same way. Iraq is different than Afghanistan. I, Afghanistan is different than, you know, Vietnam. Like TTPs change, uh, operations change, AOs change. Like everything's different. Um, yeah. And we have to adapt with the enemy, right? And here it's not adapting with the enemy. It's just adapting with the community. It's, that, it's adapting with lifestyles, right? It's adapting with other opportunities. And um, so for your experience, though, in all the time, so he was your boss, for well even not even just him we you've had other other um station commanders and some of them you know had the same mentality hey you don't have anything go back out there hey don't call me until you have something um but let's talk about just your experience overall because you know in the beginning to be honest you were trash you were not you were not good at at all but but you tried your damnedest to be the best you know, and you would decide when someone would tell you, hey, go home. Like when I was your egg gunner and I would say, hey, man, go home. You would say good to go. And then you would go out area canvassing and you would go out making television. Like you would go back out even after being told, hey, go home. But would you say that like how much would you say like when it comes to the training piece? Did you feel that you received enough training? Did you feel that? Some station commanders were better because, like I said, I, I think you had like five station commanders. Um, you had a good amount of people that ran through that office. Um, so what would you say your experience was with that? Do you feel like you had said earlier? Do you feel like a lot of the failure was on the part of just not having received enough adequate training? I would I would I would like to say yes, but. Okay. Um, all of my training and all of my experience and understanding my AO and understanding the people in, you know, said name area, if we're not going to yeah. call it, but yeah, like, yeah. In the, you know, that, that came from, you know, you, that came from Morales, that came from everybody. It didn't come from the 8412. It came yeah. from my fellow recruiters showing me how to, how to make the whole area work because they're the ones that are out there grinding. They're, they're, they're the ones in the streets. So yeah. like, I don't get me wrong, you know, we, you know, we always had, you know, all hands training, we always had some kind of training, but like, mm -hmm. it wasn't impactful training, I would say, like, mm -hmm. it didn't, they didn't take you out to the streets, they they didn't, you know, sit there and, and, and try to like, understand like, your area or, or what you're working with. And, and that's yeah. where they, they kind of run into that. It's like, Okay, well, let's role play. Well, role play is not gonna, role play is not gonna yeah. take you that Let far. me see you do it, Devil Dog. <laughs> Let me. Yeah, like, how about you? How about you take me outside? And, and you're the subject matter expert. How about you take me outside and show me how to do what you're telling me? So easy to do, especially in my area. Because a lot of people don't understand. You know what? We'll just call it what it is. RSS Mammoth. A lot of people didn't understand that. You know, and if you talk to people from old old heads and you talk to people from, you know, New Jersey, they know that Monmouth was a very strong stomping ground, but it was also a very hard area because you had every single demographic. You had every single poverty line. You had the rich line. You had everything. So you had a, you had a pot from everything to pick from. Uh, but I agree, because if we really talk about the training and we look at the training, you know, 
when was the last time? And I and, and listen, there's twelve, there's eighty four twelves out there who listen to the podcast, right? And um, you know, it's it's their job to train up the station commander. It's their job to come out, right? And they can't be everywhere, right? Because there's, like, yeah. for instance, New Jersey, there's 14 different stations. So definitely give them the benefit of the doubt that, hey, you can't be here every day. But when you're here, why don't we do some training, right? Instead of coming into the office at, at 11 and then saying, hey, let's grab food. And then, hey, I'm going to do a quick, you know, SRI with you. Or, hey, I'm going to go over this number. I'm going to do this. And then, hey, make sure you tell everybody I was here all day. It's like, no, man. Like, why don't you actually show me what it's like to do a classroom talk? Why don't you show me how to do a career talk? You know, what what training have you really provided me? You know, when it came to my 369, like, did you even receive a 369? Like, do you do you remember that? Did you did you even actually get a 369? Um, uh, I would say like a half and half, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, like, don't get me, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, they ensured, you know, I understand how to run the program, how to run pool cards and all the cool, crazy stuff. You know, they understood that then, you know, they listened to me make a phone call or so whatever it is. Um, but like they didn't really, they didn't really train. You know what I mean? Like they didn't really kind of show you, you know, their experiences. Their like the, it just seemed like they were just there just to give you a three six nine. That was it. Like they didn't really show the passion behind it. You're just another number. You're just a recruiter. You're just, mm. hey, yeah, you passed. Congratulations, you're a recruiter. That's it. Like it, mm-hmm. it was nothing really impactful, and yeah. and that's and that's the downfall to it. But you know, like to all the other recruiters that are out there currently in the streets right now, like mm-hmm. yo, you, yeah. I understand your struggle. You know, a lot of things have changed since you know I was out there, um, especially mm-hmm. the whole getting them medically qualified and stuff like that. Believe me, I hear about it. It it's rough. It's hard, man. Um, and it is a struggle. Um, and, and that's where you, you know, you got to find that 8412 that actually cares, man. The one that's actually going to be very impactful and actually train you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those are few far in between. But, you know, and that's the thing that sucks about it, man, is that having to say that, right? Having to say that, hey, there's these guys out there whose job it is to train you and whose job it is to actually be the subject matter expert. And it's hard to find them. They're out there. They're out there. there. They're being created every single day. Like I found out today from a friend of mine that there's a huge push for 8412s because there's a whole bunch of them retiring and there's a whole bunch of allocations for mass and gunnery sergeant. So they're creating 8412s at the cyclic rate. But the question is, are we getting quality 8412s? So when we look at the scheme of things and we look at where MICRIC is, right, we look at the fact that 34 stations missed mission and everybody blames the recruiter. But what are we talking about when it comes to training? Like, are we, are we talking to these 12s? Are we talking to these ARIs? Are we talking to these subject matter experts? Are we sitting here making quality recruit, um, recruiting instructors? Are we creating quality A gunners, quality station commanders? Because the problem that you have, right. And you can, you know, whether, you know, let me know what your thoughts are. But when you were in New Jersey, how many times did you hear somebody was not good? 
They didn't run things right. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they were a station commander. And it was like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you, you couldn't write contracts, but now you're in charge of an office? So how are we going to get you to train your Marines in your office if you couldn't even get somebody on the phone? And that, and then those are the people that end up staying on duty, some of them, and becoming 8412s. And then we don't get quality training for our Marines out there. And so the question that I would have and your thoughts are like, from your experience on the duty, would you say that, you know, and, and I know you men and me, that we both hold ourselves accountable because when you were out there, you held yourself more accountable than anybody. You, if you didn't have anything for tomorrow, I don't know if I taught you that, if that's something that you got from me, but like, if you didn't have anything for tomorrow, you didn't go home. Like you chose that. Like nobody even had to tell you, hey, like, hey, Dirk, you're not going home. Like you made a conscious decision that you weren't going to go home if you didn't have anything for tomorrow. Why did you, like, was that just on you? Like, why did you feel that way? Like, why did you do um, that? I think uh, I think it was just the the fact of I guess it was just the commitment, man. It was it was the drive. It was it was all my fellow Marines in my office, my fellow recruiters, yourself included. You know the the way you had that drive, that motivation, that dedication. Like I'm gonna find something today. It's gonna happen one way or another. It's gonna happen. I'm gonna find something. I'm gonna have something for tomorrow. It, it was the environment that I was brought up and especially having you as, as a really good mentor out there. Like, bro, like you could sell water to a dead horse, man. Like just the, the way you inspired me, like it just completely drove my whole mindset of like, man, Hey, if I'm failing, I'm failing all my fellow recruiters. I'm failing my office. I'm failing the Marine Corps in general, man. Like that, that's where it all came from, man. It was the commitment, mm -hmm. it was the drive. Like, I, I understand, man. You know, I went through three years of bullshit. Like, recruiting yeah. duty is not for everybody. You know, like, no. but you, you have to find your, your little niche. And, you know, it took me a lot of time to figure it out. But, I you know, I, I just kept putting in the work. If you're not working out there, you're not going to find anything. If you're yeah. bullshitting numbers and if you're just faking phone calls and all this stuff, then you're not only failing yourself, but you're also failing your fellow Marines. And yeah. you, you can't let somebody fail like that. You can't expect somebody to follow you if, if you're going to continue to do nothing. And, yeah. and that's the huge problem, man, is like mm -hmm. a lot of bosses, they, you know, they say they're training you. They, they say they understand the, the, the struggle, but they don't. They go home. You're still there. You know, and, and that's why, like, you know, when you were my station, you know, station captain, whatever you want to call it, you were there in the fight. You cared. Like, you're like, bro, I'm not going home. I'm going to stay here with my Marines. But a lot of 8412s don't do that. They yeah. don't care. They're going to go home one way or another. They're going to go do something. Yeah. They're not going to help you. They don't have the drive. They don't have the motivation to inspire you to want to do it. If you're not doing it yourself, then why should I do it? Why should I care? But, you mm -hmm. know, I didn't let that affect me or change me. I know who I am as a person. And yeah. I know, you yeah. know, so it's. It's, it's a give and take, man. I'm not going to lie to you, man. Like, I hated some of my bosses, honestly, dude. I <laughs> yeah. really did. I hated, mm -hmm. like, like going through that whole, and I'm going back to that, that, that post of, you know, sending individuals said, you know, you, it doesn't matter. You, you don't have anything. You're not, you know, making numbers. You, you know, you're going to stay out there until 2 o'clock in the morning. What does that do? Yeah. 
does nothing. Well, like, yeah. So let's talk about that. Feet. So let's let's talk about that, right? So you yourself, when you were on the duty, right? And I, I think the guy was the boss for probably like what, like eight months, maybe even a year, because I left in May, and then I returned the following February. Yeah, so just shy of a year, right? So in in that time, Mammoth had stopped making mission. So even when you guys were working in these crazy hours, it's not like you were even making mission. You were missing at the cyclic. Like you guys were missing like for four or five months at a time. So then the, the, the answer to the problem was, oh, we'll just work more. But then it was like, no, we never even started making mission, right? So now my question though, and this was a follow-on post I had made, was when this was all going on, you guys had a decent office, right? But there was you and Morales who were killing it, and you guys were the workhorses. But then there was other recruiters in the office who weren't doing anything, and they weren't putting up the numbers, and they really just didn't give a shit. Now, what was it? And clearly, you can't speak on their behalf, right? But like, did you notice that? Like, what was the effect on you, and what was the effect on them? Like, did they just not care because, oh, well, I'm already doing nothing. I'm just going to do nothing till 12. And then you were just still grinding till like, well, what was going on, like, through that process? I would, I would have to say it was the most exhausting process. Like, mm. it was depressing. It was like, when you show up to work, you knew, you knew you weren't going home. Like, and, you know, you put in all this work and all this effort and, like, you know, I I, I understand the idea behind it, I, I guess, but, like, I, I, I think it, it just did nothing, man. Like, yeah. it was like we were all in a zombie mode, man. Like, and it was just, like, we show up, we make phone calls, we went out, we AC'd, came back to the office, made more phone calls, then went out and AC'd, and then, like, it was just so draining. I'm not going to lie, man. Like, there were moments where I actually went home and actually cried to my wife, like, on a daily because I hated mm. it so much. But I would me personally, like, you know, after all the, the stuff I went through, I wasn't going to quit. Yeah. I wasn't going to give up. I was going to continue to yeah. grind, you know. And not every office has that infamous, amazing recruiter. You know, you're always going to have the ones who are struggling. And, yeah. and that's where it boils down to is is trying to help them find their mm -hmm. niche so they can yeah. help you. Well, and, and, and while that was happening, were those struggling recruiters even receiving help to get better? Or were they just being, you know, chastised for not getting anything? Like, what was going on there? We were all just... I would say after like the first month, man, we were all just so sucked into just doing our own thing and so sucked into like just the mind numbingness and the and the depression and the it was just we were just there, man. We just showed up and, and that was it. We just knew it was just gonna be that day. It didn't even matter if you found something for fucking tomorrow, it it you were still gonna be there. Just because of the yeah. other recruiters weren't pulling their own weight. And yeah. like I understand like mass punishment in a way because like, you know, that's the way I guess it yeah. makes everybody feels, I guess the same pain you're on the same fight and it kind of builds morale. But in that moment, like you know, all the morale. Yeah. Um, dude, on recruiting duty, I don't, I don't believe that it ever, that it, it'll ever make sense because it's hard, right? 
Because when you go to BRC, basic recruiter school, they tell you what? Basic recruiter course, what do they tell you? This is an independent duty, okay? So if it's an independent duty and I do my independent job, then why does it matter that we are making mission? I independently wrote my two or four or six. So why do I have to stay in the office if I have now all of a sudden it's not independent and we care about the team? Doesn't really make too much sense. But one of the things that I wanted to point out was like you were saying, right? So you guys get all depressed and you guys kind of just like hate your life and or hate the person who's doing this to you. But now, does the command know this is going on? Does the, Do people know this is happening or is this just happening and no one has any idea? Like... Do you think the command was aware? Like, did, what did you think? I like to think that the command was aware, man. Like, they know, like, come on, like, take for instance, you know, I'll bring up an incident, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, a fellow recruiter, so exhausted, so tired from all the hard work for like two, three months straight, you know, he, he ended up wrecking his vehicle. Yeah. Because he fell asleep at the wheel. You know, it yep. happens, but like, you know, it, it got to that point. Yeah. And you know, it, like, it, it, it happens, but it should never happen. It like, should. It should it, never happen. It, if we think about this, right, it, uh, in the Fleet Marine Corps, if a Marine crashed a vehicle due to lack of sleep, there would be an investigation wide. The whole entire unit would be, bro, there would be everything all over the place, bro. There would be an investigation. Why didn't? Why was this Marine behind the wheel? But on recruiting duty, oh, no, not a big deal. We're good. And then that Marine had to write a statement. That Marine had to go in front of the freaking executive officer. Like that Marine had to go and get his rights read and all of these things because that Marine was forced to be at work all day long and was lacking sleep because he had a wife and a child at home that he couldn't be at home with because he was working. But it's that Marine's fault that he was behind the wheel. If he had gotten somebody killed, if he had killed himself, and now his child doesn't have a father, we, we don't care because, because hey, he didn't have, you know, we didn't write contracts that month. We need to have that Marine behind the wheel. We need to have that, like, like come on. Like, and that's the thing about it. That's like, what the what are we doing? But... You know, one of the things that I noticed, like, so from my mindset, right, I remember, you know, when I was in Atlantic City, this is during that time, the amount of, like, I would be coming home from work, leaving the office at 10, getting home at 12, because I lived two hours away, and me and you would be on the phone, and you'd be like, bro, I, I haven't even left, I haven't even gone home yet, and I'm like, bro, what are you talking about, like, what's going on, man, and I remember having all of these nightly conversations, or your wife calling my wife, or your wife calling me like, hey, can you say something to somebody? And um, But one thing that I noticed was that when I finally came there and I took over for said name Marine, I remember walking in and the first thing I noticed, I walked in, I think I'm pretty sure it was a Friday. And the first thing I noticed was all of you had no haircuts. Your uniforms were disgusting. You looked like zombies. Like, you literally looked like you hadn't slept in seven months. Like, it looked like you – I didn't know you. I hadn't seen you, even though we lived 10 minutes from each other, because of the hours you were working. Every time I'd call you, hey, bro, I can't talk. 
And you literally lost communication to the world, to everybody. You couldn't speak to anybody that wasn't an applicant. Now, I come in, and the first thing I did was I gave you guys the weekend off. I said, hey, go home, go deal with your family, see you guys on Monday. And then I implemented, hey, now mind you, at this time, I think you had only written one bat, right? Yeah. You and Morales had like shared a bat. You like if you guys worked together and the both of you wrote a bat same month or whatever. And it was like the coolest thing because you guys went six months with writing zeros and not making mission. And then all of a sudden the whole station wrote bats and it was like, wow. Um, but then I come in and the first thing that I do is I tell you, hey, if you write me four contracts, I'm going to give you a week off. And you and Morales lost your fucking shit. And started writing fucking massive amounts of contracts. But when everything was said and done, I was letting you go home. I was giving you your weekends off. And then when I didn't, Morales was like, hey, bro, you told Durkee. Like, I remember there was that one time where I told you, hey, you can have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. And I don't remember what happened. But Morales was like, hey, bro, like, why why is Durkee still here? And he was like, you told him he could go home. And he called me out for not not doing what I said I was going to do. And I think that's a huge part of what goes on in these offices is that Marines stop holding each other accountable. P- a Marines stop holding their station commanders accountable. Like, bro, we're called to do that. Like, you're, you're still, whether your boss is a staff sergeant or a gunny, you're a staff sergeant. You're a Marine. Like, and that's like, so when, when all of that was going on, like, did you guys ever have conversations with this guy? Did anybody ever try to get this guy to like realize like what you're doing is not working? Because that guy, the reason why I call this grab your cot is because that guy actually lived in the RSS for quite some time on a cot in his office, right? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> um, when so when you when you took over the office, you know, and, yeah. and that's where like a lot of the eighty four twelves, you know, they, they I, I guess they forget that we're actually people that yeah. we actually <laughs> have to get sleep. That we, you yeah. know, like you you can't expect me to be super crazy motivated, like oh my god, hey, you know, on a phone talking to a kid, hey, you know, you, you ever thought about joining the Marine Corps? Kind of whole freaking thing, you know, like especially when I, I've been up and like out at two o'clock in the morning, I come back at like, you know, six, seven o'clock in the morning to do it all over again. You you can't expect no motivation there. Like, yeah. like I'll, I'll fake it for you, you know, fake it to make it kind of thing. But like, yeah. it, it, it's not going to work that way. And and that kind of, I would say that kind of goes back to understanding your Marines and, and how they work. Like, I, I think what would be really beneficial and, you know, I'm not saying, well, you know, I'm going to say it. Yeah. What would be really beneficial is that if you have your heavy hitter in the office and that guy is like, he's writing you your bats. He's, he's, you know, obviously he knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, why not have this guy, you know, have, you know, give him, give him a weekend off, you know? And then instead of worrying about him finding more contracts and writing more contracts and depleting his AO, why not send him out with the, the guy who's struggling? Why not have him show the new guy? Or whoever it is, train the new guy, you know, because I know that 8412 can't be with everybody at every second of the day. You know, why not have your heavy hitter help that new guy find contracts, understand his AO, you know, train him, teach him what's working for him so that way he can understand how to figure everything out for himself. 
You know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying like babysit him 24-7, but I'm saying actually take him out and actually go through the experience, see what his AO is like, you know, because like I've I've worked multiple AOs and I, I've recruited out multiple AOs. Mm-hmm. Um and like all every every single AO is different. Yeah. You know, like you could you could take, you know, freehold in Monmouth County. It's a lot of rich kids. A lot of them don't join. Some of them do. You might be able to find mm-hmm. lucky few here and there, you know. And then you could take Kingsburg area. You know, Kingsburg's a little down and out area. You know, I'm not talking about it, but it, you know, it's a it's an okay area. Yeah, just, yeah. It, you you can't find you know certain set of individuals that you're looking for sometimes because they're you know they don't pass the ASVAB or whatever it may be. You know, like mm-hmm. but you you still find few here and there, but not yeah. every AO is the same. So yeah. that's where like people are missing the mark. Like you can't expect an eighty four twelve who's not out there in the streets with you to really give you that full training. You know, yes, yeah. they have experience, but like, you know, some of them get moved around all the time in, in different offices and different areas, you know, and, and that's where you come with your most experienced recruiter. If he's writing your contracts, then he should be training other guys so they can understand how to do it. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of people are just like, Oh, well, this guy didn't make it. So hey, Hey, they're my uh, bat writer. I need like uh, two, three more contracts. Yeah, go ahead. Deplete your AO. Deplete your contracts. Yeah. And then yeah. next month, you're going to wonder why he's writing a zero because he gave you six or seven. Like, and, yeah. and that's where they miss the mark, man. Like, they, they got to take different aspects and, and, and different ways to figure this out. Like, it sucks, yeah. but, you know, you got to do, you got to do something different. Yeah. I, you know, and I, and I think a huge part of it is, is the training aspect, man. Like you said, man, I think there's not enough training that goes on and I get, and I also understand that in different RSs, it's very different, right? So in some RSs, the RS may be four and a half hours away. So getting command members out there to RSS is, is an issue, right? But again, then we need to lean heavily on the RSSs to our left and to our right. Like, and I feel like a lot of times RSSs don't get together. Like, think about it, bro. In the four years I was on the duty, in the three years you were on the duty, besides all hands, when did you ever see a neighboring RS or RSS? Never. But if, but when we find, when Mass Arn O'Brien finally started that last year, when he finally started having us get together and talk about, hey, what's going on in your AL? What are you noticing? Hey, what's going on here? And we started to cross pollinate from recruiters and station commanders. And then all of a sudden we had recruiters that were like, Hey man, you're a lot like me. This is what I do. Hey man, you're, you know, you're a recluse. So am I, Hey, you're this, you're that. And now all of a sudden you have recruiters coming together that are like, Hey bro, when I started on the streets, I was a lot like you. Here are some of the ways that I got better on that. And I think a huge part of it is that that's not happening. I, I think that the, when the answer is, Hey, just work more hours then you clearly can tell that the training isn't there. The training piece just isn't there. When you tell Marines that their feelings don't matter, like I want people to understand this, right? And you can attest to this because I'm an asshole. There was multiple times where I was like, hey, I don't give a shit what's going on at home. I don't give a shit what's going on. We need to work, right? And that was because when we worked and we did what we needed to do, I gave you guys time off. I gave you guys that. I was like, hey, let's focus on what we need to do and we'll leave, right? So I could be an asshole, but at the same time, I took care of the Marines in the office. Hey, you need to, you know, it's your wife's birthday or how many times did I tell you 
like you specifically, because I knew that if I let you go home with your laptop and your phone, you were still going to work. So I came to the point where I had to take your gov phone and your laptop from you and tell you, hey, go enjoy the weekend with your wife. And and the reason why I bring this up is because that's what's not happening. If we if we're not creating trust in our offices and if our if our Marines don't trust us as station commanders, as a gunners, then they don't want to work for us. It's not anything more than that. You And here's the thing, bro. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If your RI or your RSCO is telling you to work till 12 o'clock, guess what? They're not going to be online checking numbers. You tell your Marines, hey, go home. I got you. Let's be real about it because that's what I did numerous times. And then I took an ass chewing because if you're there to fight for your Marines, like right in the fleet, how many times have you ever, as a staff sergeant, told your Lance Corporals and Corporals, hey, go home. I got it. And then what happens? You take an ass chewing from your gunny, and you're like, gunny, bro, they worked real hard all week. I wanted to give them some extra time. Like, why why, why does things change when we leave the fleet Marine Corps and we come to recruiting duty? Like, why does small unit leadership change? Why does peer-to-peer accountability change? Why does, you know, the accountability of station, uh, of staff and COs change? It's... Uh... It's the mindset, man. You think you're on an individual duty and like you're not really trained. You're not with the Marine. Well, you're with the fellow recruiters. We were on the same duty. But um, I, I think it just boils down to the mindset, man. Like that's that's the problem. Like it's just the, the whole mindset aspect of it. Like I, I knew what I wanted to do and I wanted to complete the duty success, successfully. But like I, I still didn't change who I was. When people yeah. get out there, like they think that you know, they lose that whole mindset that I'm a marine and that you know I have a job to do. They they get stuck in the whole civilian aspect because you're around nothing but civilians every single day. Yeah. So yeah. like they lose that drive, that motivation, especially when you, you know your station commander or whoever it is is telling you that you suck every single day. Like that, some 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 marines, you know, if you tell them they suck every single day, they're gonna flip a switch and and stop, you know, not sucking. But like if if you tell somebody who's already having you know depression or whatever it is because they're out there and you just continue to tell them they suck, then they're just going to continue to suck, and, and that's yeah. where they they fall in the leadership aspect is is like they don't they don't know who the Marines are, mm-hmm. like they don't understand how they work as an individual, and that goes back to mentoring and guiding them. Like if you're just giving everybody the same exact training and it's like hey do this do this do this. It's not going to work for everybody. It's not. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. my like. Don't get me wrong. I I hated phone calls. Did I get a few contracts here and there? Phone calls. Yeah. But I hated phone calls. I loved ACing. I loved being face to face talking to an individual. That was my go to. That's where I found yeah. all my contracts. You know, especially mm-hmm. in in the high schools. You know, I'd stop and talk to every single person walking by me because I wasn't afraid to talk to somebody in person. Yeah. So they that's comes back to the whole training aspect man like you you're not teaching them what they need you're just teaching yeah. the overall aspect of what you want them to do mm-hmm. yeah and then and and to go off of that you know so while this what so while you dealt with that 
you also were dealing with medical issues, right? You had a lot of medical issues, um, you know, with this, with the, uh, with the stroke, the seizures, whatever we want to call it. Um, and you also had like panic attacks and you knew all. So where did, how was that dealing with your own mental state, dealing with all of that? And now on top of this, I'm working 12, 13 hour days. Like what the fuck was going on with that? Like mentally, physically, like what was in your head? Um, you know, and how were you still working? Like, how did you, like, what was going on that you didn't stop working? Because other people would would just be like, you know what, man, I'm done. I'm not going to keep fighting. I'm not going to keep doing this. I'm just going to sit underneath the tree and I'm just going to not work. But you, even after all of your medical issues and even after being told, hey, we'll send you to wounded, wounded warriors, um, you decided to stay on the duty and then you get this, you know, amazing station commander, 8412, not to mention, and your life is just turned upside down for, for like nine straight months. What was going on like mentally with you? <laughs> um, well, to start off, man, it, it still bothers me to this day, dude. It still yeah. haunts me, man. Um, it was, it was... Like I said before, man, it was it was the worst experience in the world, man. Like I, I'm telling you, dude. Like the the only like being real, the only thing that ever like honestly kept me going was my wife. She mm-hmm. every time I'd go home, I'd break down, I'd cry, have my fucking stress, panic attacks, freaking out, all the other crazy stuff, you know. And and just constantly just in that down and out stage, she's like, "Look, the job. Once you come home, that's it." It's done. It's over with. Don't bring that inside. Just wake up in the morning, do it all over again, come home, enjoy the family, and just keep pushing. Like, and that that's what really, like, just changed, like, ev- everything that I, I went through is, is her backing me 100%. Uh, conversations I've had with you, you know, like, calling my mentors and people who, who I worked with in that whole process, like, um, it was just all that drive and that motivation, man. Like just talking to you, asking you questions, picking your brain, asking different people questions. Like I would, I would have, I would have gave up if if I wouldn't had people like you and and my wife, just constantly pushing me, man. And yeah, uh, you know it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's 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 hard, man. And I, I fully understand what everybody's going through out there. And it, you know, you, you think when, you know, you see that light at the end of the tunnel and you're like, oh yeah, I've done recruiting and you get back to the fleet and you realize that the fleet's completely changed. Like it's, it's not like what it was um, for, especially the old cats, you know, I met January would be 14 years for me, man, you know, and, and you realize it's all changed different now. It's, mm-hmm. it's not what it was. Um, yeah. And it just, it still it still continues to bother you. You you kind of realize and you see that, like you put in all that hard work, all of that effort, and and all that commitment to trying to make it, and then you hit those moments where you didn't make it, and you feel like complete trash. You feel like you let everybody down, and mm. you know it. It still bothers you, like every single day, man. It's still like it's still in the back of your head. It's like oh my god. Do I got to make a phone call today? You know, 
where is my boss calling me? Oh my God, where's my contract? <laughs> where's my kid? You know, it's still, it's still, it, it was so mind numbing and so draining. And I hope like, I hope to never go through it again. I will never put myself in that position again, you know, and it, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. There's a lot of moments I really wanted to quit. I really wanted just to walk away, but I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't. Bro, really and, and you know, quit. and you know what, man? Like you know, I tell I talk to you, talk about you all the time, man. Um, when I'm when I have Marines that reach out to me and they're going through what you've gone through, you know, I always bring you up, man, because you you're to me, man. Like you're you are the epitome of of resilience. Because watching you, you know, I left the office, I left Monmouth, and you were this motivated, shitty recruiter. This guy who couldn't find an appointment no matter what, um, couldn't set an appointment, couldn't contract the kid. Like, we had to do everything for you, right? We had to make packages for you. We had to, I had to sit there with you on the, while you were on the phone, I had to coach you through the phone call. You know, I had to, you know, and then I had to pull you outside. But the reason why I'm bringing all that up is because I return and you're completely different. Your, you know, your, your, your presentation skills changed, your conversation skills. But the one thing that really killed me, and I still think about it to this day, was one of the first days I walked into the office, I was in the, uh, in the locker room, me and Sergeant Morales, we were doing something on the printer and you come running in and you're having i didn't know this at the time but you're having a panic attack and you're asking for your stress ball you're like morales where is it where is it where is it and i'm like what the fuck is going on and morales is like hey shut the fuck up don't say anything about it just let me find the stress ball i'm like good to go so you get your stress ball you go sit down at your desk and then you sit there for like 45 minutes to an hour and you're just huddled like crunching on this ball and i'm like morales what the fuck is going on and he's like dude it's been like this for a couple of months and he's like it just happens um and you just got to give him his time to get out of it and um and i remember watching that happen and i was like bro what the hell happened while i was gone like what happened to this man and you know and then i remember the same thing a couple weeks later Sergeant Major Woodard comes to visit us and you're nowhere to be found. And we find out that you're in your gov parked next door, having a panic attack while we're waiting for the Sergeant Major to come in. Um, you know, and then, you know, everything that happened with Captain Connor and he asks you if you're okay and you're sitting on the couch, like you can't even move your face because you're in the middle of having a, a, a panic attack. And, and the reason why I bring all that up, man, is because all the way through that, at that time, you still had an entire year on the duty and you still went through all of that and then some, and you still wrote contracts. You still, you, bro, you went from never writing a four to, I think you ended up leaving the duty with what, like five or six. And, yeah. you know, and yeah. And that was the thing about it, man, is that you were resilient, you know, like, you know, you would say, oh, I can't, like you just said before, oh, I couldn't make TCs to save my life. Bullshit. 
because you finally got good at them. And then when you would contract the kid, I'd be like, you're just not putting them in as TCs. You're putting them in as ACs. And then you'd be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Because you would, it wasn't so your problem. And listen, anybody out there that might be like this man is that this dude, bro, this dude would tell me at 7 o'clock at night, bro, Benny, I, I can't find an appointment for tomorrow. I ain't got shit. And then I would say, bro, open up your gov and find all those packs that you haven't put in the system and find an appointment for tomorrow. And then what would you do? You'd pull out your gov phone and you'd be like, oh, shit, I never hit this kid back. Or you would look at text messages and the kid would be, yo, I'm on my way to the office with vitals. And then kids would just walk in and say, bro, you never hit me back. And it was like, bro, what are we talking about? Kids pulling freaking or kids are sitting with other. I remember this. Kids are sitting with other recruiters and then they pull your business card out. And they're like, yeah, three years ago when I was a freshman, Raymond Durkee gave me this card. And it's like, bitch, that should have been your contract, but you never followed up with them. But all in all, man, to say the reason why I brought all that up, man, is because like, it's a weird situation, right? You wouldn't be the Marine you are, the the soon-to-be gunny you are. You wouldn't be the father you are, the husband you are, the friend you are, if you hadn't gone through that adversity. Um. Now, I, I'm assuming that you wish you didn't go through nine months of hell with that guy. Um, but what are some things now having moved forward from recruiting duty? How has the, the past year of your life? Like, we, I know you, you got your beautiful daughter now. Um, well, your second beautiful daughter. Congratulations again. But Thank you. what, you know, a year later, how, how is life? you know, a year post recruiting? Um, it's better than recruiting duty. <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely way better than recruiting duty. Um, it's different, you know, um, especially, you know, coming back to, you know, um, my MLS and stuff like that, um, playing catch up, you know, re remembering everything that I had already learned a while back. Um, but I, I think a huge takeaway, um, especially for me, um, would be the, the calm mindset. Because for, before I went out there, I was, uh, um, for better words, I, I guess a dick. Um, and I didn't really care about, you know, anybody's feelings or anything along those lines. Um, and, you know, especially now that it's, the Marine Corps changed uh, a lot, I, I think it's for the better. Um, but you know you, you gotta you can't be a, a dick twenty four seven and I was before I came out with green duty and now I have mm -hmm. more of a, a lots of days of cool mindset um and you know if any of my marines are having issues I, I truly care about taking care of them um yeah. and that's where you know a lot of leaders kind of uh, quite a few leaders kind of fall you know you you go up and talk to somebody about a problem and they're like oh yeah well okay you know. And and that's the problem. I would say that's the major problem with recruiting duty. Yeah. You, you see the business. You're just you're just there, man. Yeah. They don't care about your family. They don't care about you. They don't care about nothing. All they care about is making contracts. And yeah. and that's the sad part about it. That's that's where you 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 get those Marines on recruiting duty who don't like it, who hate it, who never inspired to want to become better, don't care about the training, nothing. 
because they yeah. don't care about them. They know they don't care about them. And and they got to take a whole different mindset about it, man. You got to change. You got to grow. You got to be willing to, to care about every single individual out there. Like whether they yeah. suck or not, you know, like a fellow recruiter of mine, right? Um, he sucked for nine months. Didn't bring <laughs> nothing to the table. Absolutely nothing. But, you know, now he's doing actually really good things for the office. No, and now he's off the duty, man. He's done. Oh, he's done? Yeah. I, know he was I don't know if he, he left yet. Yeah. yeah, I don't know but, if he's done yet. But, yeah, yeah no. And, and you're, you know what, man? Listen, you know, um, I, I agree. I concur. Uh, when I was all, on the duty, I was a lot dis- more disgruntled. I was a, I was an asshole to everybody to my left and right of me. Um, I didn't care about excuses. I didn't care about what was going on. And um, because of Morales and because of you, I learned very quickly how to become empathetic um, and, and how to change my, my role as a leader and as a person, because like, there were so many times where I just, bro, I didn't want to hear what was going on. I didn't care, you know, and I'll be real. Like when, um, like Quavos, his friend passed away and died. Um, and that day I was kind of like, okay. And like, what can you do about it now? Um, get back on the phones. Um, and now realizing it like, bro, that's fucked up. Like I, I didn't even, I didn't even give the man that day to mourn. Um, and I own that. You know what? I'm, I own that and I realize that. And that's why I do the podcast. People who are in the position right now, like, hey, man, like, if you're fucking up, you got to own that shit now. Because um, me owning it now doesn't matter because at that time, that Marine needed me to be better. Um, and, and I think I agree with you wholeheartedly is that, now, mind you, there's 8412s out there. Um, I don't want to, I, I never want anybody to think that I put the blame all on the 8412 because that would be yeah. asinine. Um, no, never. It's a collective thing um, because there are, you know, there are phenomenal 8412s out there. And I had a really good friend of mine um, who is an 8412, I won't say his name, but he said to me, I asked him, hey, if you could have any quote on a mug, on a coffee mug as an 8412, I said, what would it be? And he said, it's not the duty it's the community. And I was like, mm. and that's the reality of it, man, is that there's a lot of, there's, there's a handful of phenomenal 8412s that really, they, they wanted to become 8412s for phenomenal reasons. They wanted to change the culture. They wanted to change the core. They wanted to change recruiting duty. They believed that it could be better. But then unfortunately, there was too many bad apples and those bad apples overtook the good apples. Um, you know, and one bad apple spoils the bunch. And, you know, realistically, I, I definitely don't want to, you know, count out those phenomenal 8412s that are out there because there are, man. There are some really, and, and some of the podcasts that I've done, some of the episodes, man, I've had people tell me like, yo, I had phenomenal 8412s that always trained me. I was talking to, shout out to Master Guns uh, Huerta. I was talking to Master Guns last night and he straight out, I was saying he owns a t-shirt company. Um, called Fresh Swole, and I was talking to him about it, and I was like, hey, you know, I realized that you haven't really dropped any new shirts, and you haven't really, you know, done anything, and he was like, listen, bro, he was like, I'm a master gunnery sergeant. <coughs> I'm, I'm a recruiting instructor, dude. He was like, I need to be able to focus on my Marines and the training that they need. I'm on my way to an RSS right now, and he was like, bro, my, my business has to take a side 
until I get out of the Marine Corps. He was like, because how messed up would it be if I was out here blowing up the side business, but I wasn't training my Marines? He was like, my Marines would be like, yo, what the fuck, Master Guns, right? And he was like, bro, it's more important to me that I'm out there taking care of these Marines. And I'm literally on the phone, he's like, I'm on my way to an RSS right now. You know, so there's definitely phenomenal 12s out there. Um, you know, Master Guns Rodriguez, um, another phenomenal 12 who's out there doing things, um, changing the changing the atmosphere, you know, and there's, there's different COs that are doing new things, right? You have Major Gray in Atlanta. You know, you have other COs that are, you know, they're taking a new approach to everything. Like he's doing a full-on leadership seminar on Instagram Live to promote the Marine Corps leadership. And and that's the thing about it. Like the answer to Marine Corps' problem right now is not longer hours. <laughs> that's, that's not it, bro. That is not it. That's not it. It's never going to be it. The answer is think smarter, not harder. We've been told this our whole careers. Hey, what are other people doing? What does our marketing look like? What are we doing? If you if you sat here and you worked in a sales company, I've said this before, but like if you like my my ball, my company, right? I'm salary, but if I work past 40 hours a week, I get paid overtime, right? So my boss has straight out told me there's no reason for you to go into overtime because it's one, it's not worth it. She was like, you're not going to, it's not because I don't want to pay you. She's like, I'll pay you. But she was like, can you justify being away from your family for just a few more dollars? And is it worth it? She was like, what do you really get on a Saturday? She was like, what do you really get after you worked your hours? I was like, nothing. And she was like, so then why work them? And, and and that's the reality of it. And she's my boss. She's the person who needs me to write her contract. She's the per and she's like, listen, it's not worth your family. It's not worth your time away from your family. And and you know what? When I don't write enough in the week, it makes me feel like shit. And I've started to realize, like, yo, I need to do better, not for me, but for her, because of what she's doing for me. Like she let me sit home for two weeks on maternity leave while not taking leave. She said, Hey, work from home for the two weeks. So you don't have to take your leave. She did. She didn't have to do that. She could have told me, no, go take your FMLA. But you know what she did, though? She created an environment where I could trust her. And now I want to work for her. And and that's what's going on, man, is that a lot of these Marines, they don't want to work for their commanding officers, bro. They don't want to work for their, their RIs because... You don't even know my kids' names, bro. Like, you you called my son the wrong name. You didn't even know I had a daughter, dog. Like, and you and you want me to work for you? And that's why, you know, when these when these hours get implemented, that's why you have Marines who go from being heavy hitters to saying, you know what, man, you know what? I'm gonna I'm just write my one. You know what? I'm I'm okay. I'll just be right above substandard. So this way it doesn't mess with my career. And and that's what it is, man. Um, but not to drag this on. Um, but my, my question to you would be, um, kind of capping it up, what do you think could have been done differently 
in that nine months, that nine months that you lived that, what do you think could have been done differently? What, you know, from other station commanders, that like what we spoke about, you've had five or six of them, but what were things that could have been done differently or were done differently by other station commanders that you saw a different impact? I would, I would definitely say, um, like, every individual cares to some aspect, mm. but showing them that you truly care is, is different than just showing that you care about just only making mission. Mm. I think what would have made the huge difference and a huge change is, like, actually staying with us. I, you know, like, he was there, but he was micromanaging. And, and when I say micromanaging, like, I, I mean, like, calling somebody every hour on the hour to ask you where you're at. What are you doing? Who are you talking to? How many kids have you talked to? How many people you've talked to? Yeah. You're you're just cutting into my time of me actually doing my actual yeah. job. Hey, hey, call me. Call me when you leave one area to go to the next. Call yeah. me when you get to that area. Hey, call me when you hey put me on the phone with your with your AC contact. Hey, where are you yeah, right yeah. now? And then didn't he have you guys download like a GPS tracker to your phone so he could know exactly where you guys were located? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it it was a lot of micromanaging and a lot of um just strictly caring about the mission, not the Marines. Yeah. That's the problem. But, and, and, but the craziest part is, is that he quote unquote cared so much about the mission, but no, none of that led to making mission. It no, led they, to you guys failing for seven months. Yeah. It, you know, and, when and you act like, thing. when you act like that, you like, you, you destroy all trust, all morale, like the whole, whole aspect of it. You, you demoralize people. Like, you know, I understand, you know, you have to make a mission, you have to make it happen, but like, obviously your recruiters are doing something wrong. Obviously you might want to actually train them or go out with them or figure out where they're, where they're going, what are they doing and coming up with different mm -hmm. ideas to really inspire them, give them a reason to want to fight. But if yeah. you do it constantly, like for three, four, five, six months straight of just them not getting any sleep, no rest, like it, it does nothing for you. And it is a complete waste of time. Like, mm. you know, everybody has their opinions. Everybody has their views. And, like, I'm not knocking, you know, whatever aspect they want to go with it. Like, if, if your recruiters are sucking, then obviously you're not doing your job correctly. Yeah. So, you know, you got to take – you got to figure out what the problem is, and you got to fix the problem. But if you're just – But you know what's funny, out, though? not fixing anything. Yeah. And, and what's funny – is like you just said, it's like, bro, if your recruiters suck, you probably suck, bro. Like, like stop blaming the recruiters and look at you. What, what training are you providing? Are you even there? Do they even know who you are? Like, what, what have you done to impact them in any way, shape or form in a positive way? And you know, that's just, you know, bro, it's just there's so much that we can go into, man, and talking about, like, the the way everything is. But like you said, man, it's so important that you know what your values are, 
You don't forget where you come from. You don't forget what you started out. And I think that's a huge part of what happens is that recruiters come out here on this duty and they forget why they started. They forget their true north, right? They forget what what they were pointing towards. And, and because of everything that happens surrounding you, you just kind of throw away pieces of you. And, and then all of a sudden at the end of the duty, it's like, who am I anymore? Um, you know, and sometimes you kind of have to redial it in and, you know, re, re BZO and, you know, fix yourself and be like, bro, like what's going on, man? Because you really do, man, like the, the duty can put you in some dark places and you kind of, and especially when you're living like that for nine months, like you probably, you probably finished. Like, do you think that like nine months ended and it was like you went through a black hole and you were like, wait a minute, that was nine months. Like, do you feel yeah. like you woke up one morning and then the next day it was just like, wait a minute, it's been nine months. Yeah, it, it was, it just felt like an eternity of nothingness. Like you're just so like, do you, like do you feel like the day that I walked in, you were like, yo, you just left yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but you know, before we end this, it, yeah. on top of that, you know, there's there's two things, um, and you kind of brought it up in the earlier, like you're like, hey, go through your phone and hit up all those AC contacts. Um, I was really bad about it, um, and I know that I probably could have been a lot better as a recruiter. Um, but utilizing the system, McChris, yes, I know McChris has issues. I totally but you know that. what though? But if you actually use the system the way it's supposed to be used then you would actually probably uh, have more contracts. On top of that, you know, I know in a lot of this conversation, we're talking about training and talking about leadership and stuff like that. Yeah. On top of that, as a Marine, as a staff sergeant, as a sergeant, you're you're the best of the best. That's why you get hissed or whatever. Maybe they want to see you in a different aspect. Um, You have to hold yourself accountable. And you have to stop lying to yourself, saying that you're working hard every single day. Because there are days where you're not doing what you need to do. So, you know, you can blame the command, you can blame the leadership, whatever it may be. But yes, in a way, it is an individual duty, but it's also a team. So keep in mind what you're fighting for. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting for your fellow recruiters to spend time with their family. If you're failing, you're failing your team, you're failing yourself, and you're failing your family. So when your wife calls you and asks you, why aren't you home, and you only made 30 TCs that day, and you just fake numbers, then obviously you're failing. So you might want to fix yourself too. Bro, I, I couldn't say it any better, man. And it's the truth, bro. And that's what I love, you know, about you, about me, is being able to point the finger at ourselves. Because unfortunately, a lot of times everybody wants to blame everybody else, but they don't want to look inward. Because like you said, bro, ain't nobody working every single day, seven days a week, bro. And sometimes it is our fault, right? But to to just go back real quick and we'll end it here, but all the micromanaging that was done, when did anybody really show you how to work the file and remind you to do your follow-ups? Because that was the one thing that I, that's how I got you to write all those contracts. Because I would be like, bro, they're in your phone. I'd be like, bro, that you have contracts. You just haven't called them. And that's the thing is that like, if we want Marines to be successful, we need to train them in all aspects of the job. And you as the station commander have to do your seven duties and responsibilities. And you also have to be able to train up that recruiter. And you also have to call the people that maybe you couldn't get in. 
Maybe, maybe how many times did I call a kid that you couldn't get in the office and I hit him up and I was like, hey, bro, what's going on? Boom, boom. And then you would walk in the office and be like, oh, shit, where did you come from? And I'd be like, oh, I grabbed your phone. You went on leave and I told you to leave your phone with me. And I called every, like, bro, we made a, we made a whole text recruit out of your contact contact list, bro. Like, because yeah. how many people did you meet and be like, hey, give me your number. But, um. But hey, man, listen, at the end of the day, bro, I just want to thank you so much, man, for coming on. And and thank you so much, man, for for sharing your story and being real about it, right? Because you, you don't have to share the bad parts, right? You, 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 you know, I hope you don't hate me for bringing up, you know, your health condition and talking about the panic attacks and everything. But I, but I think it's important that Marines understand that you were really in a bad place and that's why you can speak the way you spoke about the duty uh, because you weren't someone just bitching about how bad it was. Like you lived through some really harsh health conditions um, and still came out of it on top. So I want to thank you for that, bro. I want to thank you for, you know, being the friend that you've been to me for the past like four years at this point. Um, so thanks, man, for coming on, man. Do you have any last words that you want to drop on anybody, any any wisdom, um, and then we'll just be done? Yeah, um, of course, um, I want to thank you for having me again, man. Uh, I know we've been kind of talking about it here and there. I know my uh, crazy work schedule is a little bit difficult, um, but um, I, I think, you know, going back to it is you got to know yourself. It's going to sound kind of lame, but know yourself and seek self-improvement, man. You know, bring it it's not. Marine Corps it. That's what, I mean? what everybody's forgetting, um, bro. That's what the Marine Corps needs right now. Yeah. And, like, you know, you just – I know a lot of you guys out there are struggling. I understand, you know, I've been through it. You know, it was probably a little bit different time. You know, I went through the whole COVID experience, you know, with schools closed down, the whole process. Now they're opening up. You just talk to everybody, man. That's That's the only thing I can tell you. Don't be afraid to talk to anybody. You never know. It could be that kid sitting in the, the, the back of the classroom looking, you know, like a thug or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? Like, you, you still got to talk to everybody. Talk to everybody. Find somebody. Keep pushing and, and never give up, man. Never quit. You know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I made it. Quite a few other people made it. You'll make it. Just don't give up, man. Amen. Well, hey, you heard it here from Ray. And um, thanks for coming on, bro. We'll do a third episode. Hopefully it doesn't take another year. But thanks for everything, man. Say hi to the family for us and have a good night. All right, you too, man.